Hey everyone, uh, before we get started, just wanted to let you know that Layer by Layer will be at Cubing USA Nationals 2018. On Friday night, we're planning on doing a live show after the seminars end, around 9.15 or so. Kind of late, but if you're there, we hope you can uh, make it out and come listen to us live and have some fun. Alright, enjoy the new episode. Hi everyone, welcome to Layer by Layer. I was really hoping you were going to join in there. Uh, <laughs> and... This is a cubing podcast with myself and Kit Clement. And hey, my, by myself, I mean uh, Andrew Nathanson. That's Total right. Pockets, whatever you want to call me. <laughs> this is our third episode. And this is the first time we're recording an introduction before recording the episode because we know what it's called now. We have a podcast so we can name. can do that. <laughs> uh, hey, this is awkward, but uh, we actually have to um, break in here because we forgot to mention that there's a subreddit can discuss the show uh yeah oops so yeah if you want you can go find this at uh reddit the subreddit the layer by layer subreddit that's where all the discussions of the episodes are yeah anyway uh back to the normal intro we were doing that we said we weren't gonna have to interrupt with the future my bad oops. <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing kit i am doing just fine how about yourself i'm doing well i know that you have been off on some adventures recently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. I know that last episode, last episode, you were kind of the one doing most of the talking. I think that's <laughs> going to be different this time because I've been to a competition since the last episode, so I have a lot of topics. Hey, I have not um, been to a competition since we last mm-hmm. recorded, so... But you have been to VidCon and Japan? Yeah, I went to VidCon and I am <laughs> currently recording this from Japan. So, greetings from the future. <laughs> Let's start with VidCon before we get into that whole thing. Oh, cool, yeah. Japan. Um, uh, tell me about it, because this is actually interesting, because I've been to VidCon, I went like three years in a row mm-hmm. before this year, and then this was the first year I haven't gone, just because I, as a creator, I kind of felt like I got everything out of VidCon that I could, mm-hmm. at least for now, and I don't have any like big plans for my channel necessarily gotcha. at the moment. I'm more into this whole podcast thing, so I'll probably be going to PodCon, which I know you've also been to. Nice. But VidCon... It's the first one I haven't been to in a while, so I'm curious to hear how it goes, how it went. Yeah, well, I'll look forward to seeing you at PodCon then, because I'm pretty sure, if assuming it's in Seattle again, I'm sure we'll be going. Um, yeah, if, <laughs> if all the timing works out in that for me, I'll try to go. Cool. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of interested to hear what you thought about VidCon when you went, because I think, I think this was the first year of Viacom running VidCon, but oh. I might be mistaken. It might have been last I, year. I think it might have been last year, actually. Okay. But you didn't go yeah. last year, did you? I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Okay. Because everyone told me that uh, had been to VidCons before that somehow mm-hmm. this one felt very different. Really? Yeah. Like, it felt much more um, commercial rather than, like, community-focused mm. in that uh, it seemed like that uh, nobody was really catering to the creators so much unless you were like a featured creator and then they you know catered to your every whim um uh did they still do the like the same tiers as they have before where there's the community pass the creator pass and then the industry pass yes yes they did so for in case anyone's not familiar those are the sort of the three types of badges you can get to go to vidcon and then depending on which one you get you get access to different things um the first year i went i went as community because that was the only there was only two passes the first year i went Mm -hmm. and then after that i started going as creator which by the way, I definitely recommend. I did you get community? That yeah, we did community. I was curious to hear about some of the things from Creator. One thing I really wanted to see, um, if I had a Creator pass, was a panel with Bill Wirtz on it. 
<laughs> he did one panel. It was a creator panel on it was like finding your true voice or something, which uh, definitely fits for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But I I really wish I could have gone to that, but uh, we just did community. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I don't feel like I was missing out on too much on the creator spot. I mean, I, I technically have a YouTube account, but I don't really create much for it other than just uploading stuff from twitch or from competitions so i didn't really feel like i missed out on too much other than seeing bill Wirtz be semi-normal <laughs> if you had to like sum up your whole experience like just, just a brief summary of it how what would what would you describe it as in three words waiting in lines oh really yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, so I mean, we did the meet and greet lotteries. Um, yeah. Okay. I've and, never done that. Oh yeah. Yeah. There. We won't do those again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, so they're worth it if you're going to a kind of mid tier creator. But if it's like a Retin Link or someone that's mm. huge, like huge celebrity, there, it's just not worth it. Uh, you literally right. wait in line for an hour to get fifteen seconds with these people, mm-hmm. and it's like. I mean, I don't care about autographs. I don't really care about pictures. I mean, I care about pictures more than autographs, at least. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, we did go see some kind of mid-tier, mid-to-low-tier creators that were, you know, well-known enough to get their own meet-and-greet panel. Uh, one of which was uh, Wheezy Waiter. I love Wheezy Waiter. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the funny thing is, um, I, like, I think he's too old school for the crowd now. He definitely is. Yeah, like, I mean, we, we got His channel's there. also just not as popular as it used to be no yeah we got to the line and there was like three groups ahead of us and Mm -hmm. then by the time we were up nobody came behind us we sat there Mm. and talked with the dude for like 20 minutes (laughs) that's great yeah it was awesome so i mean the meet and greet lines can be great if they're kind of you know on the low tier end because you can like we literally chatted with him his wife and his kid was there and we chatted for like 20 minutes or so so that was totally worth it uh, the line for Rhett and Link was definitely not worth it. And we did, there were a couple other meet and greet lines that we did that were very, like one, have you ever heard of Dr. Doe before? I have not. Okay, she does the channel Sexplanations. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar um, with it. Okay, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's in the nerd fighter sphere. And, um, yeah, we just sat, we just sat around in a circle instead of doing an actual meet and greet and just chatted. So mm-hmm. that was kind of fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, the meet and greet lights can be good, uh, but otherwise, yeah. But I mean, we we went to some fun panels. You know, did some of the fun. We got a lot of chocolate. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, it was Dove there again or something? Yeah, the giving Dove, out free chocolates. The, yeah, the whole Mars crew thing. You just oh, right, walk yeah. through, and they're <laughs> like, "All right, let me just shovel chocolate into your bag." I mean, that's that's what you do when you don't have anything else to do. You just go walk around the expo hall and just get chocolate. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> we still have tons of chocolate lying around at home now. It's disgusting. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was nice to have some munchies. So mm-hmm. we did that one day. I don't know, it was It was definitely fun. I'm not sure if I would go again um, unless, like, I felt particularly motivated for, like, the creator sort of track. But I don't think that really applies to me. Although I'm mm-hmm. curious to hear what you feel like you got out of VidCon when you went as a creator. I mean, the really nice thing about the creator pass is a lot of the stuff you get access to is like, you know, it's like they get rid of the lines basically because everyone, like there are still a few lines, but mostly for the most part, the creator pass gets rid of that because it's more exclusive sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's really nice. And you just also have like the quiet upstairs area that you can go to that 
community pass people don't have access to. So that's a it's pretty nice to just be able to get a break from it like that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it could be worth it to get the creator pass, even if you're just going for mostly community events, just to have sort of that quiet space you can go to. I don't know, though. But as far as what I actually got out of it as a creator, um, I would often... It was mostly... I think I more got, like, inspiration out of it than actual like super actionable things like every once in a while i'd pick up a tip from someone or an idea for something that would be really actionable and i could immediately apply but for the most part it was just being in that sort of creative environment with people who are doing the same things and being able to be a little bit more inspired by them and stuff um so a lot, a lot of the times if you look back through my videos i would like start a new type of video or something right after coming back from a vidcon just because i have new ideas just from being in that environment um, okay so that was more the useful part of it for me. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it was definitely fun to go. Like I, I, I don't feel like I had like a terrible time, but I don't also think like I had like a good enough time to want to go to an event that's just swarmed with like fifteen-year-old girls. Yeah, you're not exactly the target demographic. No. <laughs> you would fit in a lot more in the creator area, though. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what that would be then. Um, although I don't really feel like. You know, I could get a lot out of the things in the creator yeah, side of it. I don't think it would necessarily add that much to an ex your experience, just like no. for someone who isn't going out as much as a creator, except for just having it be a little bit more chill, the whole experience. Yeah, there was the whole, like, Tanacon thing that happened, too, which I didn't even know was a thing I didn't, until it yeah, was Yeah, I didn't follow down. that at all. Yeah, <laughs> so... Um, I've just heard people talking about it on Twitter and stuff. What barely goes up must crash down like hell. <laughs> That's basically the story. Um, I would say to the listeners to go look up things about it, but please don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you care about your sanity and um, you care about your hope for the world, please do not look oh, up no. anything oh, regarding no. this. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, well, speaking of Bill Wirtz, yeah. uh, how's Japan? <laughs> <laughs> nice transition okay well i will say do look up things about bill wirtz um yes <laughs> if you do not know who we're talking about i only say this because i know saying don't look up tanacon is only going to make you want to look it up please just look up who bill wirtz is instead and watch all of his videos yeah i agree i fully fully endorse this as well yes anyways um <laughs> so japan so i'm surprisingly not jet lagged Really? Which is incredible. Maybe it'll hit you when you come back. <laughs> I, oh, I'm sure. The, going going east is way worse than going west. Uh, it was just a miserable experience, the flights out. So, because I, I went to go visit my family for the 4th of July holiday in Seattle. They were all mm -hmm. doing, like, a family reunion up with uh, my uncle that lives up there. So it was kind of cool. Got to go see my family in a three-hour drive instead of, like, a four-hour flight. Yeah, so that was kind of fun. But I flew out to Japan Thursday morning at 6 a.m. the day after uh, I went to go visit them. Um, so I got home at about like 10 p.m. Wednesday night, started packing, finished around 1 a.m. And because I'm not teaching right now, I'm not really accustomed to getting up to an alarm recently. And when I've tried to set an alarm to force me to get up a little earlier because I've been kind of on full degenerate mode recently. Yeah, so I've been trying to like set alarms to like shift my sleep schedule back to a normal spot. And every single time, like the past three times, I didn't even hear my alarm. Oh, really? Yeah. So wow. it being 1 a.m., I have a flight that leaves at 6 a.m. Uh, I was like... I'm just going to stay up all night. I did that recently. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so 3 a.m. I got in my um, 
right, uh, Reach Now car, some like car share service in Portland. Drove that to the airport. Flight left for San Francisco at 6 a.m. Then I had a flight that left for Tokyo from San Francisco at 11 a.m. This landed at 1 p.m. Tokyo time the next day with adding 16 hours into it. So it was like a <laughs> uh, 11 and a half hour flight or so. Yeah, so I got it to Tokyo, went through customs, got on a flight to Osaka that uh, arrived like 6.30 p.m. So this was when you take time zones out of it, oh, when, and then you add on all of the trains I had to take from Osaka to get to Kyoto. That was about 27 hours straight traveling. It's more than a day. <laughs> it, it, and, and I didn't sleep before that. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how are you functional? <laughs> um... Great question. Uh, let me just say that um, the shower I took when I got to my hotel room was near <laughs> orgasmic, and uh, <laughs> bed, I think I slept for about 11 hours. What, what exactly are you there for again? I'm here for a uh, conference. It's the International Conference on Teaching Statistics. Okay, very specific to your... Yes, very specific. <laughs> um, but it uh, should be a lot of fun. I'm going to a workshop uh, starting tomorrow. Um, today I just kind of been doing... A little bit of sightseeing. Uh, the weather here is ridiculous right now. There's uh, remnants of a typhoon that are pouring over Japan right now and causing, wow. like, floods and mudslides everywhere. Um, thankfully, things seem relatively sane here. Like, we just barely got missed by the rain last night and mm -hmm. didn't get as much, near as much rain as we were forecasted to. Uh, but there's also a super typhoon, which, if you're unfamiliar, is basically like a Category 5 hurricane that is looming off. Uh, the coast so we'll see what happens oh boy um well forecast <laughs> it's forecasted to go uh into china not into japan right currently uh and kind of toward korea so even like the worst case path that goes straight for korea it would give us a butt ton of rain but uh currently there's even the the worst case forecast right now doesn't seem that bad just more rain on top of like all the mudslides that have been happening already. So, um, my the bus that I needed to take to get to the from the airport to my hotel uh, was out of service because of all of these rains, though. So that was really fun having no data and no ability to read the language, uh, figuring out yeah. how to get to Kyoto wow. when like my <laughs> one researched what method of getting there uh, was not functional. <laughs> Like it literally, it looked me. It literally took me thirty minutes to figure out it wasn't functional because I was trying mm -hmm. to buy tickets at the ticket machine and was like, "Why can't I buy this ticket?" It was giving me all these weird error messages. It just nothing made sense. Um, so I had to take like three different trains here instead. But I hear so that's great. <laughs> but you made it. I made it. I made it, and I slept very well, and somehow now feel mostly functional. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm getting to podcast with you during this brief window. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Today was a great day for this, since there's not much conference going on. Well, my life's been a lot more calm than that. Uh, <laughs> That's good to hear. I have had Western champs since we last spoke. Yes. Um, so I have a lot to say about that. So if you want, we can move right into follow up. Yeah, let's do it. Just taking a quick break to let you know that our podcast is sponsored by Sarah Cook. Uh, she does a lot of designs for competitions uh, and does a really cool uh, t-shirt store of cubing apparel. 
we're both uh, big fans of her. Yeah, that's right. We're both doing this ad. What? Um, <laughs> Where'd you come from? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, she actually designed the logo for our podcast. So there's an example of her work right there. Yep. Um, it was dope. And yeah, if you want to check out her work, it's on Instagram, at Pastel Cubes. Uh, and you can find links to like her other stuff there, mm-hmm. uh, like her shop for to get the, the t-shirts and other design work done. Mm-hmm. And she wants you to let her know if you need anything designed, because she can do that, and she's really good at it. That's right. She's done a lot of cool competition logos. Heartland Champs, I'm pretty sure, was designed by her. And she did awesome staff shirts at that competition, too. So her work is A+. Uh, we really appreciate her for helping us getting our podcast started out with a dope logo. So <laughs> definitely go check her out. You know, Kit, this joke won't make sense until later, but I would say her work is A++++++. Whoa. <laughs> cool joke, man. Alrighty, we'll, ex- <laughs> we'll explain what that means later. Alright, <laughs> uh, shall we get back to the show now? Yeah, I guess. Alright, so at Pastel Cubes, at Cubes, at Pastel Cubes on Instagram. Go check it out. <laughs> so Western Champs, uh, it was a pretty cool competition. I'm. Was it your first regional competition? It was my first regional competition. Yeah, I mean, ask me questions about it and stuff. I have a few things in the notes here that I can talk about specifically. But yeah, well, yeah, first one, one thing that's not in the notes. Western Champs, I know, is a bit of a strange regional in that basically Berkeley's Cube Club ran it. Yes. Um, it was the only one that wasn't um, managed totally by Cubing USA. Okay. Uh, because of how, like, room reservations work and stuff there. Um, mm-hmm. did it f- just, I'm curious, did it feel any different than like a local competition at Berkeley or did it feel I've like never been to that? a competition at Berkeley actually. Oh, okay. So well, never mind. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Well then in the compared to any, did it com- feel any different than any typical local competition? Yeah. It, it felt, uh, I, I don't want to say bigger, but mm-hmm. it felt grander, I guess is a word for it. Okay. Uh, it felt so, like. They did. It did feel like you had like a prestigious feel. It did. Yeah, I think so. It's sort of like, like it had all these different stage or not stages, but at least like areas set up that were more like formally designated. Everything was well planned out. There was a side room. It it felt like a bigger, more like a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that was it was effective in that. Although, just like going into the main room, there was a lot of empty seats. So mm. it was it was easy to tell that the attendance wasn't nearly what they were expecting but but that said i i my experience um so i was staffing mm-hmm. and i spent most of my time in the side room for like quiet events because i was competing in a lot of quiet events and then i just happened to get assigned to staff in there mm-hmm. yeah i spent a lot of my time in the side room and just sort of like ran back and forth between the main room a few times to compete in a few things and just help out occasionally mm-hmm. but overall it was it was a nice competition. It ran really smoothly. We had a lot of spare time and a lot of... Um, it wasn't wasn't too hectic or anything. All right. Very, very nice. And, yeah, just overall, it was a really nice competition, but you could tell that it was... It, it didn't feel, like, strangely empty, but it did feel like there wasn't a ton. It, was, it didn't feel big. Right. Yeah. I definitely felt that when I went to Heartland, for sure, um, mm-hmm. that it, the room just didn't seem as full as it could have been. And it sounds like from what you told me, what you told me last time, that Heartland was a larger venue than this one was. Uh, this I think one, so. it didn't feel like super oversized or anything. It, it felt comfortable, but okay. could have held a lot more. As far as like the circumstances with me going up there, I carpooled with 
few other guys. Nice. Um, Is that eight hours? Yeah, about eight hours total from San Diego. They were, they were all more up in like the L.A. area, so it was a little bit less for them, but mm-hmm. I drove up and stayed with Alex Devani the night before. And then on my way up, I went and stopped in at because I'm hosting a competition, organizing a competition for the West Coast Cubing Tour. So mm-hmm. I went and like checked out the venue for that because I hadn't actually seen it in person yet. Oh, gotcha. Um, and that's in like the Irvine Tustin area. Okay. So that's what I did the day before, and then we went up together, and then it was re- it was really fun. <laughs> you just hanging out with those guys, and we had a lot of interesting discussions about stuff. And one of those things was, well, this week sort of decided on the way back actually was that um, we were all gonna, s- or at least me and Alex were gonna race to see who could become a silver member first because neither of us are and we're both sort of like at at similar distances away like he needs four blind and five blind and like one other thing and I need five blind and a bunch of cubes I don't really like um yeah I see you don't have any seven by seven results yeah that's that might end up being the toughest one yeah Uh, I'm not sure though for people who are good at blindfolded events, uh, seven by seven often becomes the the biggest hurdle. I know it was for like uh, Brandon Michael when he was on the way to silver. I don't think I'm gonna have any problem with five blind. Like I understand all the concepts fundamentally, and I don't really have to learn anything else. I just have to spend a long time on like one attempt to really safety it, and I like I'm not even gonna practice it at all. I'm just gonna try it in comp and hope it works. Yeah, I'm not really nervous about that at all. It's more just I gotta practice the other things. Like I haven't done Mega Minks. So I got a Megaminx, and I've been practicing that, which I actually have, it's turned out I've liked that a lot more than I thought I would. Oh, uh, I find Megaminx really fun, just the, uh, uh, for me, because I like to do 3x3 three three with a lot of, like, 2x2 two two cr- X-Cross extensions. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. find Megaminx to be really fun, because... Because that's basically all it is. Right, yeah, and you, <laughs> it's not so advantageous to do that on 3x3, three three, but on Megaminx, if you're good at seeing pairs and good at seeing like how to block build it's mm-hmm. su- super advantageous yeah um, that's that's the part i've really liked about it mm-hmm. um it's also just it's sort of unlike like i also started practicing clock a little bit mm-hmm. and then i improved super quickly at clock and sort of hit a barrier like right away yeah of like 12 13 seconds mm-hmm. and then i was just like i'm not like I wasn't getting any times that were really below that. So I was like, there's not really a way I can see to improve that much without a lot of work. Whereas Mega Minx, even though I've improved a ton, like I, like when I first started, I was doing like three minutes, three and a half minutes. Now I'm mm-hmm. down to like a minute, 30 seconds, but mm-hmm. I'm still getting these like fluke times that are way lower. So I'm like, I can get my times down to there if I can just learn to be more consistent at it. So it's, it's really providing a good motivation to practice it. Right, definitely. Yeah, clock is tough because, I mean, there's a few, few tricks that you can learn to, like, optimize how to take advantage of certain cases. But, yeah, other than that, there's very little to learn for clock. You're just doing Yeah, it's just the doing it faster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that becomes really frustrating to practice. So yeah. I feel you there. Yeah. At first, Mega Minx was really frustrating to practice because... I feel like there's the sort of this thing with the different events, like when you're practicing them, there's sort of, uh, there's like three aspects, I would say, to most most events. And there's, mm-hmm. I guess I'd call it like your technique, your finger tricks, and just like general turning of the cube. Mm-hmm. And then sort of your look ahead and finding pieces. And for me on Mega Minx, my, at, at, at first it was like my technique, as far as like technical skill and like block building and stuff was all really good, just because I'm, you know, I do FMC, I do ZZ on 3x3, like, I'm good at block building. So that part was, like, really good from the start. And it was really frustrating at first because I didn't know how to turn the thing. 
and I didn't like I couldn't find pieces for the life of me. So right. I feel like that sort of made Mega Minx. That's why I didn't really get into Mega Minx for a long time was just because that initial barrier was so frustrating for me. And that's the same as like for big cubes now. Like I just don't like turning them as much, and there's just so many pieces that it's sort of right. the same thing. Yeah, I feel like with events that take a long amount of time, like there's just an initial barrier of, uh, I don't want to do a cube that takes me this long to solve. Yeah, uh, the the really frustrating part for me is knowing that I'm capable of doing it so much faster than I currently am. If yes. I could just find the pieces I'm looking for, right. like. Like, that is, that's just, like, it, it makes me mad when I'm solving and I can't find a piece. Um, <laughs> but once I kind of got over that barrier, that's when it started to be fun to right. practice Mega Minx. Yeah, uh, I, and, I, and that's also why I've kind of been more into small events in the, in the past, is just because, like, I can, I feel like all of those sort of three categories are at roughly the same level for the things I'm, I'm into. Mm-hmm. And there are just some cubes that are, or some puzzles that, just aren't nearly like that and that's when it's frustrating for me that's when keeping's frustrating yeah absolutely um i recently got over that barrier with uh six by six i feel in terms mm. of solving times because i'm averaging now probably like low threes that's like getting to the speed now for me where i'm like oh this is actually a decent amount of time to solve the puzzle like it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like a chore it doesn't there are occasionally times where i'm like oh where did this thing go where are you where is this wing oh there it is um mm-hmm. so I definitely get that occasionally, but it's less so now to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm actually solving this at a reasonable pace, and this feels fun. Um, mm-hmm. so. I've also been doing a little bit of 6x6 six six mm-hmm. because well, I've I've done that before in competition, mm-hmm. but I need to do 7x7, seven seven, but I don't actually have a 7x7. Seven seven, right, but the skills I have like a V-cube 7x7. Seven seven, but... Oh, God. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I've just been practicing 6x6 six six in hopes that it'll make my 7x7 seven seven fast enough to qualify at my competition. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to get there, to be honest, but I'm trying. Where are you, Haze 7? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I was going to buy one, but then I was like, well, I shouldn't get one right before this thing comes out. Like, that's a bad idea. Uh, that's a waste of money. <laughs> yeah, so I've been, I've been waiting on 7x7. Uh, seven since like march when i heard about not about the, like that it was the hay seven but kevin told me that there was a good seven by seven coming and i shouldn't buy yeah. one yet and i'm like okay trust you and time's a ticking what what six by six do you have uh i had the yushin red uh and i just recently upgraded to the shadow nice uh, what do you think of the shadow so i th- think it's not as good as everyone thinks it is but it's definitely a step up for my yuchin red i don't have a shadow but i tried one mm-hmm. at western champs a shadow m and it was just so underwhelming after all the hype about it like everyone yeah. was saying like all oh, this this is like better than five by five hardware and it, it's no. just not it's, no, st- it's, it's not. still a six by six and it still yeah. sucks <laughs> so i mean one thing that i can say about it that's real nice is if you are okay with tighter cubes um, mm-hmm. It definitely does not pop, which is incredible for a six by six. That being okay. said, I can't stand tight cubes. That that might be part of the problem because the one I tried was really loose, and I still got like lockups and like almost pops on it. Right. So yeah, I've and I, I think I, I'm a little bit better with tighter cubes. Yeah, I've learned that I have to tighten more than I'm accustomed to with that cube, just because there's a there's a point with tensioning that that as soon as you go beyond this point, it just pops and locks up like crazy 
the most common kind of like lockup I get is where a wing decides to just pass a whole set of four centers. It's like, what? <laughs> Why are you doing that? <laughs> uh, so and that one's not too hard to fix, but it's um, kind of alarming to see like one type of piece <laughs> literally zoom past like four <laughs> others. It's like, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it, it's all a matter of looseness, I feel, with that puzzle. It's by far the best 6x6 six six out there currently. I, I agree with that, but it's also underwhelming. Yes, it definitely does not live up to the uh, the uh, Chi sellout boys hype. <laughs> Let's see, so what else? What else happened at Western Champs? Um, well, there was I the whole uh, Jeeker cube. Oh, yeah. Oh, you want to talk moves? about that rather than how great I am? If you want to, <laughs> no, whatever. let's talk about how great uh, you are. <laughs> yeah, I won fewest moves. Uh, didn't like I didn't actually solve very well, but I did mm-hmm. win. Uh, you know, because I'm just that good, I can win without uh, doing well. You know, you know, you know. <laughs> you won with an arm um, tied behind your back. Yeah, I mean, actually, that wouldn't be that different for me because I'm pretty <laughs> good at one handed. You one-handed. solve one handed so well. <laughs> <laughs> I do most of my turning. Well, I guess that eliminates my advantage where I can, like, write with one hand and solve the cube with the other, which I do yeah. a lot. Hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe I should care about getting better hardware for the fewest moves and for, actually I, do one-handed turning. Hmm. The, the only part of fewest moves hardware that frustrates me now is insertion stickers. I feel like there's a better hmm. way. Like, magnetic insertion labels have been bothering Chris Tran about forever. Right. Um which question mark are they legal i don't know yeah i I don't know but i want them yeah i mean how uh how loose can the term stickers be can they stick by magnet (laughs) i think that's a discussion for another day yeah (laughs) yeah for sure but anyways what was your meme uh that you won western champs with it was 28 flat but my first solve was a 32 Oh, wow. So t- was that 32, 26, 26? Yep, that's what it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, first the first solve was very frustrating because I could see it was an easy scramble. And basically I found this like really cool thing, and it just felt like it should have a continuation. And I made the mistake you should never do in FMC, no. which is just getting stuck on one thing. Yes, absolutely. And that's my biggest problem yeah, so- I have right now. What happened was basically in the first five minutes, I found like a dumb solution that was a what was it a 26 to three corners Mm. and it was just like the first thing i saw i just built a block then kept building blocks until i had that um and five minutes in there's definitely no harm in writing that down just yeah absolute. it was it was probably more like even a two minute backup solution basically and then i spent maybe 45 minutes working on this other start (laughs) which seemed really good right but obviously wasn't and yeah yeah so then i had to go with my two-minute backup solution <laughs> yeah i do really appreciate the safety of getting a um at least meh three-corner skeleton early on yeah because I agree. it does give you like the ability to really explore much later than you otherwise would be able to if you had mm-hmm. found you know instead of 26 to 3 like 21 to 4 like i would uh... say that those are those are fairly equivalent skeletons that 21 to 4 may be being a tad better. Um, mm, 21 to 4 is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it can be. I mean, 21 to 4, I would expect 30 or 31. De- de- it depends on the type of 4. De- depending on the type of 4, of course. Like, if it's pure 2-2, two, two, um, sure, I might expect 29. But I, I think um, that's actually one of my best strengths in FMC is the because I can do insertions really fast. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I'd be comfortable doing a four corner skeleton in nine minutes. With, with like nine minutes to go on the clock. Yes, I do that all the time. And getting optimal. Uh, yeah, I can get optimal or at least optimal non nested usually. Every once in a while, I do miss optimal, but it's worth mm-hmm. it for having the extra time yeah, to absolutely. like explore other things. Right. Um. So yeah, I feel like insertions are probably. For a long time, they were a really weak point for me, but then I've just practiced them a ton, and I think they're now probably my strongest point in FMC. Yeah, I definitely don't feel like I'm that strong, but I do feel relatively strong. The issue for me is I get really nervous doing... Oh, yeah. Uh, like, Because I definitely can do a four-corner skeleton and get at least non-nested optimal within probably about 12 minutes or so. Um, mm-hmm. But it just makes me shit my pants. <laughs> yeah, um... The, the only time I've been nervous recently in a competition with insertions was at uh, Keep Portland Quiet when I had, it was like 16 to 3 edges, 3 corners, and then I oh, used yeah. reverse NIST to find an insertion that reduced to 3 corners, mm-hmm. but then I wrote it down wrong, so I ended up oh, having God. like 3 minutes left to do the insertion, and I barely got it in in time. I think I was writing with like 5 seconds left on the clock. Wow. <laughs> what was the that final was, on that one? I got a 27, so that was actually nice. pretty decent. Yeah, that was a good um, I had a, um, recently at, uh, Rose City, I had a 14 to three edges, three corners and got a 24 on that. That's good. Yeah. That's slightly better than average insertions for that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I found like, I think it was an eight mover that canceled one for the edges, which helped mm. out a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I find that on three, uh, this is turning into FMC time. Uh, I find that on three edges, three corners, <laughs> skeletons, about half the time my insertion isn't just, uh, comms. Like, it's like mm. a block com or some kind of reverseness thing. Yeah, I don't use reverseness very much. I find it a little too time-consuming. Mm-hmm. But, That's true. Um, I, I end up trying to just kind of trace pieces mm. mid-insertion rather than reverseness. I, I, I usually set up to pieces to certain spots mm. and then reverseness at just those spots. Gotcha. Um, that makes sense. So I don't have to, like, go through my whole skeleton and waste all that time. It can be a little bit more efficient with it. Okay, yeah. I, maybe but I should anyway. play around with doing it more. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Before this turns into yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the FMC podcast, let's get back to layer by layer. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was fewest moves. So that was uh, it was good. I was happy with the last two solves at least, and I'm sure I could have done a lot better if that first mm-hmm. solve was if I hadn't been dumb on it. Um, yeah. Oh well. So let's talk about these. Uh, how would you pronounce it? Jeeker, geeker. Yeah, I think I said Geeker last episode, but from watching uh, some Chinese videos, they pronounce it Geeker, so I've been been going with that pronunciation. So you have one now. I do. And I tried one at Western Champs. Yeah. That uh, Matt Dickman had. I think he got basically, like, the first one, because he ordered it with, like, rush shipping the day it came out or something. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, so we actually ordered the same day with the same rush shipping method, uh, but his happened to get there, uh, like, a day and a half earlier than mine did. (laughs) So, um, yeah. (laughs) Bummer. Uh, um, yeah, now he's got the YouTube video with all the views. Um, (laughs) yeah. But, (laughs) That was um, his goal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, that was kind of my goal. I, I did, I think, have the first stream of the Jeeker Cube, and then I re- just re-uploaded that stream, but, yeah. I am simultaneously over and underwhelmed by the cube. Really? Yeah. One thing I've noticed, so, in my Twitch streams, uh, I started doing FMC streaming with the Jeeker Cube instead of normal cubes, uh, just that because... That seems ridiculous based on the color scheme of that cube. Yeah, it. I need to re-sticker it. Um... <laughs> 
because uh, Lucas Guerin developed uh, one at Western Champs. Um, yep. <laughs> w- uh, I was Bluetooth. really impressed by that. Yeah, like literally that weekend developed like a connection system for the Geeker Cube. Like, yeah, in, in one night he had like this whole applet made. <laughs> right, it's crazy how quickly he made that. But um, that one has a normal color scheme, which does not match my cube. And I really want to get better stickers for it mm. so I can use it more efficiently. But I've gotten a little used to color mapping. The worst is red and orange uh, because orange is really red on that cube. But, like, the okay. Jinker cube had... Like, some people say that that color is orange. Like, Lauren is convinced me. It's like, no, I see how that's an orange. And I'm like, that's red. That's 100% <laughs> red. Um, but I am male and therefore, uh, you know genetically colorblind by default so um <laughs> oops uh so uh when i've been using it to stream with fmc i have had a lot of errors with the cube actually where it is uh accidentally turning the puzzle the wrong way so i'll do an really? r and it shows up as r prime um and this Does has it... nothing to do with lucas's app like the same thing happens on the super cube app that's made for the cube so is it is it just the way it records it or it it's not like the colors get messed up or anything like it still oh, keeps no. track of that properly the colors it just get messed up because no the colors oh, get really? messed up because it thinks oh. i did an r but i actually did an r prime or something of that huh. nature um and That's i do fmc a lot and i solve up my cube to re-scramble and i look at the state on the screen and it's two it's a you know two two cycles of corners and two two cycles of edges the only reason I figured out it was because it was tracking moves in the incorrect direction is because it one time happened on the very last move, and it was, it was like a U2 away from being solved. I didn't see any problems with the one that Matt had yeah. at Western Champs. I, I don't know why so, my cube is like all screwed up. because I guess I, it's I, just inconsistent hardware. Yeah, I don't know. Um, when I streamed it, I had to reset the thing five times in the span of an really? FMC attempt. Yeah, it was really irritating. And I don't know if I'll wow. continue doing that. And the other thing, too, is I'd have to use... My, I Basically, Lucas's app doesn't work for Windows, so I've had to use my Android to connect mm. to it. So I've been, like, streaming my Android screen to my computer to Twitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little annoying, but it does give me a touch screen to move the cube around with, which... Cause mm-hmm. There's no motion tracking of the cube, which makes it hard to show what I'm looking at all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely look forward to when the Go Cube comes out for FMC streaming. Uh, is that that'll, be a, Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, because that one does have motion tracking. It'll be a lot easier for me to show what I'm working on when I'm doing FMC live. Yeah, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought of like the streaming applications of these cubes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no. really cool that you're doing that. I'll try to tune into one of those. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll do it again with the Jeeker cube. I might try it again. It might have just been a bad day with that cube. Um, I'm also wondering if they wear out, because it's definitely, that was definitely much worse than the last time. The last stream I did, I had two times I needed to fix it. So I wonder if it's just an attrition thing, that the cubes get worse at move detection over time, Uh, that maybe they're just made cheaply. Um, I don't know. I'll have to play with my more to see how often that happens. Um... But, yeah, I'm very impressed with a lot of the things it can do. I'm just a little unimpressed by uh, the accuracy of uh, the puzzle right now. Yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to the Go Cube, because mm-hmm. even though it looks kind of ridiculous in terms of its construction, right. uh, hopefully it's more consistent and well-made, and mm-hmm. the color scheme at least is somewhat 
reasonable. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, at least they're the right colors instead of, like, mint pink and yeah. what should be orange and is red <laughs> instead. Yeah, but overall, I was actually, like, the Geeker Cube, or Geeker, however you pronounce <laughs> it, it was a really, like, the cube itself was really good. Like, mm-hmm. the turning of it, just, it was a, like, that was main worthy, I'd say. If... Uh... I don't know. Not for me. Uh, really? No. I don't know. Maybe maybe Matt's is also better at turning than yours is. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I really I don't like to, how mine's turns. Really? I was able to turn it just like fluidly. It just I didn't feel any lockups or anything. It just right. it felt right for me. Yeah, I mean it's not my color scheme, so that might have some effect on solve times. When I was trying to do solves with it, I was averaging about four seconds slower than my normal solves. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I agree. My solves were also horrible, but I'm pretty sure it was just because of the co- color scheme for me. Like, all the algorithms and stuff I did were perfectly fine. Yeah, no, I, I felt like the turning was awful for me. And I'm not mm. I'm not sure if it was a noise thing, too, because the noise on that cube is awful. Oh, I like the noise. You like it? <laughs> <laughs> I do. It, it annoys the crap wait, out of me. Wait, are you... Like, what, what, what about it? Because it wasn't that loud. It, was it? Uh, my is yours cube, really loud? Mine is painfully loud. Just, like, all really? the magnets rattling around I think in you it? got a defective cube. I... <laughs> I No, I'm serious. Your cube sucks. <laughs> Matt's cube, it was, like, it was smooth and quiet and, like, it, I mean, it wasn't quiet, but it wasn't loud by any means. It, it, it had a nice sort of satisfying, like, soft clicky noise. So... I don't know. <laughs> when I streamed for the first time, I had my headphones on that are pretty good at noise blocking, and I was like, oh, this cube is kind of loud. Like, I could hear it. It was like, this is a really clacky cube. And then I took my <laughs> headphones off, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is so loud. <laughs> Why are you so loud? <laughs> I think you should get another one, because Maybe. the one you got is sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious to see what Matt's is like. Um, when, I'm, when I come back from Japan, I'm actually just flying straight to Seattle uh, for Mental Breakdown uh, in Tacoma. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So you'll get you'll get to feel what a real one, real one <laughs> feels like. Maybe I'm maybe I'm defective. I don't know. But um, <laughs> the more you talk about this, the more I'm st- I'm hoping that it's that my cube is defective. <laughs> we'll see. I might have <laughs> yeah, to order I mean, a second one. I'd say it's likely that their quality control is pretty bad, just based on like they're really inexpensive for what it is. Right. Yeah. Um, it's like thirty bucks or something. Yeah, it's cheaper than like a Gan cube that doesn't motion track your moves <laughs> right yeah um so i don't know the one i felt i was really impressed by the turning of it and the functionality of it especially with lucas's app thing yeah i don't know i was i was very impressed mm-hmm. yeah Sounds i'm very like impressed were. with the potential of those sorts <laughs> of cubes um mm-hmm. i've just been underwhelmed with the hardware itself of my cube so okay yeah i don't know <laughs> maybe i got the 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 stupid defective one who knows <laughs> not only did they send it a day later it's also defective <laughs> yeah <laughs> come on aliexpress it, they, they, they like dropped it off the plane or something accidentally yeah. <laughs> when they were shipping it and then they just had to go pick it up and that's why it was late and defective <laughs> i don't know i don't know maybe but. some of your magnets are loose or something and like well they're made <laughs> they're made loose the one i felt didn't seem that way (laughs) really i don't think so okay so the way that mine turns sounds like the magnets are not glued in place at all like it sounds like they have like a small area where the magnet lives 
Like, they make, like, a plastic casing for the magnet to just kind of be in this area. Because, like, it definitely feels like the magnets are attracting themselves. And when you shake... I've tried this. When you shake the cube, nothing jiggles. But if you take apart individual pieces and shake those, it they rattle. Okay, that's that does not... I didn't notice anything like that. Maybe I'm just not observant, but I did not notice anything like that. Okay, I don't know that. <laughs> okay, I, maybe I mean, maybe his art. I'm not the most place. observant person, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am interested to see how different or similar these cubes are, and I'm going to have to add this to uh, the follow-up for next time. Yeah, maybe we just have like exact opposite taste in cubes and <laughs> yeah that could be it too <laughs> so another thing that came up with the people i carpooled with was an idea about how to get more sort of like just data about regional champs and why people may not be going to them mm-hmm. this was something we talked about what if we at nationals there was like a survey given after the competition to all competitors asking like did you go to a regional championship if mm-hmm. yes like what what fat like just getting more data that way like because i feel like since these things are all supposed to be sort of connected to nationals that could be a good way to gather data right the one concern i would have with using uh nationals competitors as your sort of uh frame for your survey uh is that Mm -hmm. nationals competitors by virtue of traveling are very willing to travel so i think that this population frame is going to be generally more um supportive of regionals by virtue Mm -hmm. of already traveling for nationals i would be interested in the seeing though like how many people say yeah i traveled the nationals but i didn't travel to my regional championship because i was already going to nationals or that sort of thing that is true so that could be interesting to do and we don't even have to do it at nationals um i mean i could do that with just do like an email blast yeah i could do that after nationals to see why or even right now to be honest (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, that would be a good thing to hear from people who are regularly, you know, coming to nationals. We could even include, like, the nationals lists from, like, the past three years or something, just to get, like, a wider range of competitors, figure out why they are or are not coming. That was just a little idea I had. That... Mm-hmm. No, that's a good idea, um, and we definitely need to learn more about this. Um, I've kind of talked more, more about um, regionals with people in Cubing USA, Um, And I think I've had a little bit of a turnaround on what to do for next year. Um, I don't really think that reducing the the frequency of regionals is a good idea. I think it would be good to just see, you know, I think adjusting the schedule so they fit better into a weekend is going to be, I think, better for people's travel plans. We had a lot of Mm -hmm. regionals that just had a lot of things happening on Friday, which I think discouraged people from going because they just couldn't go on a Friday. So I think that trying to enforce them to be, like, two-day at most competitions will help significantly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that just by virtue of these, you know, being in their first year are naturally going to feel small. Okay. So, um, you know, we may want to downsize venues for next year so they don't necessarily have this small feeling. Uh, but as you said, like, even when Western wasn't, you know, it didn't feel full, but it did feel prestigious. That's true, yeah. Um, and I think that that's the important thing, is, like, you know, even if they aren't huge competitions, they do feel like they are bigger than a normal local competition. Um, mm-hmm. And as long as they can accomplish that, I think that's fine. We just might want to think about smaller venues for at least, like, the short-term future and scale up as need be. Just more thoughts that I've had on it since the last pod. <laughs> We're almost done with follow-up. 
Oh my uh-huh. god. We almost have a podcast of follow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should have a have, have a uh, side podcast called Follow Up by Follow Up. <laughs> Just the, uh, yeah, release one episode of pure follow up along with yeah. every <laughs> other episode. <laughs> I wanted to return to the issue that we talked about with uh, video evidence and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually something I talked a little bit with Lucas Guerin about. And it's that I think in our last podcast or whenever we talked about this, I sort of framed the issue as like, um, we don't want to discourage people from posting videos. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that's actually necessarily the right way that, that I meant to frame it when mm-hmm. I was talking about it. I was thinking, I put in our show notes here, double jeopardy. I don't necessarily think that that's like, I don't like to argue things like oh this is how the law works this is how this thing should work because right, i feel right. like that's kind of a like a circular argument but i do feel like the principles guiding it are similar in that it's like ruled fine at the competition but then later it's ruled not yeah. fine because of video evidence yeah and um when we spoke last time you talked about the issue of consistency which i agree with but i also think there is a certain consistency to be had that just says that the rulings at the competition are final and I think that the WCA already sort of has structures in place to deal with establishing, say, if a competitor were found to be intentionally cheating, mm-hmm. it could just be, like, referred to a higher, like, board or something, like, where there's already systems in place to assess penalties and punishments to competitors who are found cheating or things of that nature. So I feel like if there is a situation where it's questionable like video evidence is used to show that somebody broke a regulation gained an advantage and did it intentionally or if it was like high profile enough and they just gained an advantage even if it was unintentional like i don't think it would be a problem so not necessarily to refer it to the wca delegate of the competition to have them make the decision but to have a higher power in the wca maybe like an elected board or just like an appointed board but in any case something with multiple people who can vote on it and i feel like that would improve consistency and sort of get rid of the, I don't know, just the sort of weird feeling I have that's, it's sort of hard to describe about this, like, idea of double jeopardy right. um, as Here, it relates to this situation. Here's what I don't like about kind of making this go with the ruling at the competition as long as it's, like, not intentional. Um, mm-hmm. What makes me feel weird about that is that I already deal seldomly with cases of competitors who break rules at competitions, and I tell them they can't do those sorts of things, whether it's wearing headphones or using a certain type of cube with like a logo in blind or something um and they'll say like well i did that this at this other competition and it was fine and you know in this sort of world sure maybe people can do things at other competitions and get away with them because they just weren't caught at the competition Mm -hmm. so yeah i think we just have to live with the fact that no matter what we do logistically we are not going to catch everything yeah that's it's not possible um and whether you have like a laissez-faire system that just says well if we didn't catch it and you know they competed with all you know good intents we can let this slide sure um that's i guess one way to do it but i personally would prefer that from competition to competition that, you know, the, the rules are being adhered to in the same way. Okay. As, yeah, I understand that position. Yeah. It, I just kind of wanted to clarify what I was talking about last time yes, to make it... Because totally. I felt like my argument last time was pretty weak, but, like, the way I've actually been thinking about it more has... Mm-hmm. It's been more convincing to me, at least, so I just wanted right. to clarify that a little bit, just 
as a topic of discussion. Sure, sure. And one thing that I think that um, is definitely a problem with that too is that um, depending on how well established a region is, is a mm-hmm. you know a big factor in how well regulated it is. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. if a new country has just got their first delegate and is just starting to have competitions, they're probably not going to catch as many things as you know a competition on like in the eastern side of the USA where they've had delegates for you know de- over a decade now. Right. Um, and there's many well trusted and established people in that community to judge and watch over things. Uh, or even in Europe where it's like they've been going for a long time too, and they have many you know very experienced qualified delegates there as well and i don't like the fact that basically depending on the competition you go to it's easier for things to get by at certain competitions compared to other ones um which you know is already kind of true today even so but at least we have the ability to correct many of those problems with video evidence okay yeah i can see that i don't i don't agree but i can see your point and right I, I prefer a system where we can, like, I can look at what has happened at other competitions, and I can say, like, recently, it was some 30-second solver, but he got a plus two on an M slice off. Mm. Um, and I submitted a result correction to the team for it. Mm-hmm. Because, okay. no, people shouldn't get away with these things. And if this person goes to a competition and says, like, oh, this was a plus two last time, I don't have to have a stupid argument of, you know, no, well, that's not the rules. <laughs> the rules right. say this is a DNF. You should get a DNF for that. Okay. So, yeah. anyways. It, it, it does. I, I see the consistency argument, especially with just giving competitors the wrong idea if they never learn the right way. So I hadn't, I hadn't considered that aspect of it. Yeah, that's... I guess that's uh, maybe that's a selfish argument because it makes my life a lot easier. <laughs> um, but that's um, that's why that's that's my argument for trying to you know I guess keep things the way they are right now. Okay. Yeah. So Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Albuquerque. In Albuquerque. Uh, <laughs> my I, that was a great song. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to start. Uh, it was weird, even for Weird Al, as mm-hmm. someone who has listened to his music for a while. I hadn't heard this one, and it is probably his weirdest song, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It uh, is esoteric. It's really, really freaking weird, <laughs> but good. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, the, my favorite part, like, while listening to it the first time, is at the end, he starts spelling Albuquerque. And yeah. I was like, oh, great. I'm finally going to learn how this name is spelled. <laughs> uh, like, I've been writing it wrong in our show notes every time, and it underlines it in red, and I have to, like, go look it up and copy and paste it in. Yep. And I was like, I'm finally going to learn how it's spelled. And then he just gives up halfway through. Kirky! Yeah, he's like, A, L, B, U, and then there's a music break. Kirky! Yeah. Although, to be fair, um, the way you spelt it, you didn't even get the first four letters right, even though he did I didn't. spell out You're the right. first so four I, letters. I, I learned about the U. That that was useful. That's that's like what made me think about it. I was like, oh, that's a U there. Yep. And, then, <laughs> and then it was like, oh, I don't get to learn the rest of it. <laughs> 
So the main reason I know how to spell Albuquerque is because uh, I'm a Detroit Tigers fan, and uh, back in their heyday, they had a pitcher whose name was Al Albuquerque. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, and I would I, I used to, like, um, I mean, I still do this when I go to baseball games. I always take score on, like, a scorecard as I watch the game. <laughs> so you have to learn how to spell the players' names. <laughs> yeah. So, so and well, if you, like... Um, if you write something down wrong, do you correct it later? If you like go back and watch a, the you know the TV footage of the of the game, yeah, I will. So what the one thing that will happen is that um, I think that like a fielder makes an error, but they rule it as a hit, or I think it's a hit and they rule it as an error. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, every time I do go back and check to see what the official rulings were on everything. Oh, okay. Just Good. I was sure. just making sure you were uh, consistent in your use of video evidence. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, my scorecards are legit. Um, <laughs> anyways, but um, Albuquerque, the player, spells his name differently than Albuquerque, the city. There is an extra R, I believe. I can't remember now. I know how the city is spelled, hmm. but I can't remember how this player's name was spelled anymore. Um, there's hmm. an extra letter, though, in the player's name. I believe it's... A-L-B-U-R, Kirky, instead of A-L-B-U, Kirky. That's how I always want to spell it. Or, well, I want to have an E there instead of a U. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always want to add that R in there because that's, like, mm-hmm. how people say it. Well, and apparently that's the old spelling of the city. Like, the, when it was originally mm. founded, they used that spelling, and then the R, or, yeah, the R was dropped. You're, uh, you're just too old school for, uh, <laughs> for us, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the end of our follow-up because that last item is something we can't follow up on yet nice Woo. Woo. <laughs> man hi everyone and uh we ba- we barely have any comments because we literally just announced this podcast like a day ago yeah what are we going to do i know this is gonna, gonna... This, this could become such a long <laughs> podcast especially if we start re- responding to viewers and things like that yeah i'm i don't know what we're gonna do i mean <laughs> Our follow-up, it's not like it was just purely follow-up. Like, it developed into its own new topics, kind of. True, so true. I don't feel like it's repetitive, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might not ever get to anything, like, truly new. Yeah. Well, let's... On that note, let's get to something truly new. Yes. <laughs> let's see. This first thing in our actual topic list, I have to think about for a second, because it's something I came up with a while ago. Okay. Uh... And I need to, like, figure out how it actually works, because I'm trying to remember it, but it's kind of interesting. It's like a challenge for our listeners, and you, a little bit. Okay. I'm um, ready to be challenged. So let's say, this is a kind of like a little riddle, and it's similar to um, another thing you've probably heard before, or a lot of people have probably heard, but I'd be curious to see, uh, but it's sort of unintuitive, so. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're solving a 4x4. Four four, okay. And your goal is to solve it in less than 40 seconds. Okay. And let's say that you're, you know, you're not a great four by four solver, so Just like you me. take, you solve it in two hundred moves. I actually don't have any idea how good that is for four by four, but <laughs> I think that's a lot of moves. Yeah, I think it's a lot. Um, <laughs> but for the pers- purpose of the question, um, let's say you take two hundred moves to solve it. Okay. 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 I've changed. I've changed my mind. Okay. You're, you're a four by four solver. You're doing. A 240 move solve, so you're even worse. Oh, but God. your goal's a little bit less lofty, okay? You're just trying to get it done in under a minute. Okay. Let's say you do the first 
half of your solve. So the first 120 moves at two turns per second. Okay. What TPS do you need to average for the next half of your moves in order to reach your goal of solving it in under a minute? Um, without doing any math, I think it's eight, but uh, let me do some math. I'm going to cut that part out where you just gave the answer and let our listeners figure it out and talk about it in the Reddit. <laughs> God, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I, I, I now understand the, the question. <laughs> We will follow up next time. Nice. I just wanted to throw that out there because it's, it's kind of a variation on a classic math riddle thing. But I framed it in terms of cubing, so that's fun. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, now see, I now see why that is a common riddle. What other topics do we have here? Do we want to talk about this one? We can always save it for later. <laughs> but... I mean, okay. This topic <laughs> is something that you are clearly more uh, invested in than I am. That's that's true, and that's okay. <laughs> Although I, I will say that a lot of my initial uh, a lot of my initial talking about it was a bit exaggerated because I was trying to like be funny, and mm-hmm. then I made a lot of people mad at me, and <laughs> uh, so and, and you just like you to know. wrestle people's jimmies. Yes, I was wrestling people's jimmies. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I like to wrestle people's jimmies too. Which is why I disagree with you on this. <laughs> I care about this so much. <laughs> this is something else that came up at uh, Western Champs with uh, Kevin Matthews, also known as Iowa Matthews, because I use his name, his fake name, Iowa, as a letter pair for blind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is, a th- this is a system he came up with because it helps to clarify a very common issue that you'll run into when you're talking about cubing stuff. And what is that issue? Well, well, someone will ask you, hey, what's your PB in 7x7? And then you're like, uh, and you're at a competition, right? So you have to ask, do you mean in competition or at home? And then that adds that whole extra step into your conversation where you have to clarify what kind of PB they're asking for. And that can be solved with a simple change in nomenclature and this is something that is already like in use within the WCA. It's consistent with that. It's consistent with a bunch of other things like continental records. And that is the use of the term personal record or PR to refer to official results. It, it saves you that, um, that step of having to clarify if you mean like your official PB and say you get a overall personal best in competition. Instead of just saying, I got an overall personal best, which is a really clunky term, you can just say, I got a PB which implies that it's your personal best. It's the best you've done. It's not just the best recorded solve, as in record. It's an actual best. And that's why the term PR should be used to replace the term official PB from now on forever. Uh, This is a hill I will fight and die upon. I mean, to be fair, though, people who solve at home generally record their solves with some sort of timing device or online that's timer. That's not the same. That's, <laughs> that's a different connotation of record. <laughs> I'm talking about recorded by an official body. Like, mm. you know, you, you can't set a Guinness world record without Guinness being there to certify it or whatever. And you can't set a cubing record without having the WCA certify it. Let, let me say you make a very solid point here you know we say on our profiles on the wca current personal records yeah you know that's that is a very true it's also statement. can it's also consistent with world record continental record national record personal record that's very true too here's my only uh argument against it and it's very uh un, you know not the most logical argument in the world <laughs> you sound stupid when you say pr <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I definitely like where you're coming from this in terms of, you know, to, you know, fixing a irregularity or a, uh, you know, common confusion in the terminology that we have currently. And I um, agree that but... it's a minor issue, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say, if you're going to start saying PR all the time, and may, you know, maybe it'll oh, yeah. catch on, you know, like Verisano never did. But um, did Verisano have the world's most popular cubing podcast having one half of its uh, hosts backing it? It's not actually the world's most popular cubing podcast yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe PR can can do it, can take it someday. And you know what? I, I'm rooting for it. I'm rooting for it. I'm yes. still saying PB. I, oh darn! But I, I'm rooting. I'm rooting for you guys. All right, I'm rooting for you. I'm just not part of your system. <laughs> I'm not a part of this system. My dad's uh, not a phone. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I like it, and I've gotten a little bit used to saying it. Uh, I when I first heard it, it sounded really dumb, but then Kevin convinced me with his arguments, mm-hmm. and I realized that it actually is a like it's a, it's a thing that comes up relatively often. Like in all seriousness. Mm-hmm. Like, I do have to make that clarification of, like, official or unofficial, and I see it all the time, yeah. people needing to clarify that. I mean, we can just say official PB and unofficial PB. Yeah, but no one does. And that's, it's like, if we're going to change the way we say it anyway, why not change it to something more efficient and already in use by the WCA? Yeah, well, you tell me. I, I can't. <laughs> that's, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> Let me just say, I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. I really want to start saying PR. Oh, God, that, I don't anymore. <laughs> not, not not right now. That, that felt weird. It, I, think, I think Kevin came up with it because he's also a runner, and it's right. a term that is commonly used in a lot of other, like, sports, like running. Yes, yeah, cross-country track, they all talk about PRs. Yeah, so for him, it doesn't even sound weird. Mm-hmm. For all of us, yeah, it does. Yeah. Like, it sounded really weird for me at first. PR. But I've gotten used to it relatively quickly. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that. Um, I'm just not going to change my ways. <laughs> You're too old. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm convinced of it being useful. I'm just going to, you know, stick to my ways. and Maybe eventually the... everyone else will change, and you'll be the only one left, and you'll have to switch. <laughs> right. And I will... I will be uh, idly, you know, watching this movement, and I will just <laughs> go with the majority. All right. <laughs> Which, you know, is always a terrible, terrible position to be in in any sort of important social movement. But thankfully, this is not an important social movement, and I don't feel guilty about it. <laughs> well, consider this my official endorsement of it, and if I see you using it, I will uh, be happy. Okay. I'm talking well, to the listeners, not not just you. Like I'm fine. <laughs> whatever you do, whatever you. Want to do. But the listeners, listeners, I'm gonna be disappointed in you if you don't. <laughs> wow, that's that's a lot of pressure. Also, in any kind of like official documentation from the podcast, you'll be able to tell who it's written by, depending on which term we use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe maybe this will be just some subtle battle between us. Yeah, <laughs> like. You know, I'm, I'm really in support of PR, but I'm really just saying PB to annoy you. Yeah, I, I can tell. <laughs> <sighs> it's it's going to be like we'll have like a description of some episode or something that says like, oh, Andrew got a PR today. And then just at some point you're going to like sneakily change it 
and then I'll have to notice and change it back, and it'll just be like people like editing pages on Wikipedia and changing stuff back and forth. That's right. You're going to be like vandalizing the descriptions of our own shows. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about Twitch, or do you want to save that for another day? Yeah, let's talk about Twitch. We've had this on our list from the, since the start. Yeah, we have. Um, yeah, Twitch has been a uh, very exciting platform for me. I haven't really been much of like a cubing YouTuber. You know, I have a YouTube channel, and more recently I've been like a- uploading solves to it just to kind of, you know, put put them in a place, be able to look at them later myself. I don't like if other people want to watch them, that's cool. If not, don't watch them. I don't care. But. Um, you know, when I started out on YouTube, I did make a lot of, like, tutorials and other sorts of content uh, for my channel. And, you know, mm-hmm. but that was ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and I made content for Cubing World, I guess, but never for my own channel, like, a four, three or four years ago or so. So, I mean, I've done a little bit of content creation for YouTube, but, you know, not really consistently or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But Twitch is really exciting to me in that... Um, you know, one of the biggest things for me that I hated about content creation on YouTube was editing, and I do not have to edit anything now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, which is great. Um, OBS makes it real easy to, you know, just make great layouts on the fly and make it look professional, even if you're a semi-professional or a mm-hmm. not even semi-professional like me. Yeah, it, it, Twitch is definitely a platform I'd love to see take off to, just because I feel like a lot of the content that we make for youtube is really Mm -hmm. not exciting as like a you know non-live content um like unboxings Mm. are so much better live yeah for one thing you know a lot of times you have to go through so many different videos of unboxings um to you know figure out anything like the if you have a very specific question about a cube you know for example Mm -hmm. if you're watching live just be like hey how does this you can just ask yeah Right, or does this come with extra magnets? Does this come with this sort of thing? You know, um, mm-hmm. you can ask very specific questions and get the answer you're looking for. And it's just more, much more fun to do an unboxing when you're interacting and, you know, being able to, you know, show off features that the viewers are interested in at that moment. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so I think that there's a lot of cubing content with, you know, doing, you know, people upload averages and it's like, why not do it live and, you know, maybe even do it on Twist the Web so people can join you and it's like a fun activity. Unboxings are way better live. Reviews even, I mean, I think reviews maybe do better live on YouTube rather than with... I I think there's a good delineation for it, but I agree that there's a lot of things that people post cubing related Mm -hmm. that aren't, like, YouTube isn't the best, like, medium for them at all. Right. I think the stuff like I do is... Like, I couldn't do that any... I like, couldn't do that live, most of the stuff I make these days. Right. Um, but I think that for a lot of the things that other cubing channels and stuff do, it, like, Twitch is a really, really good format for it. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest thing, too, about Twitch, um, it's the Wild West that YouTube was 10 years ago right now. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I became a partner on YouTube and recently got stripped of that because they don't want to deal with advertising to tons of small channels and deal with Mm -hmm. what content is appropriate to have advertised or whatever like that i never reached a payout threshold on youtube Mm -hmm. never i got i think my adsense account is like it's somewhere around 70 dollars or so okay i need to get to 100 to get any sort of payout so yeah uh i have a ton of money in adsense that i'm never gonna see 
uh, Twitch streaming I've been doing since March, so about four months now, and I hit my first payment threshold last month. Really? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Like, it's incredible how much more profitable is if you, I mean, if this is what you're into. Uh, like, if you if you're trying to make content that is profitable in some way, do not go to YouTube. YouTube is not a battle that you are going to win. That's uh, it's just other platforms in general are much like YouTube advertising is just so bad mm -hmm. now it's because people are so used to it it's completely ineffective and that makes the ad rates horrible right exactly um uh and, and these other these other things like that's also part of why i'm doing a lot of podcasts recently is because it's mm -hmm. a it's a medium oh. that i actually really like doing right and it's a lot easier to monetize although you know like getting sponsors and stuff you do have to be pretty big because it is a really big industry now but like crowdfunding and stuff people are so much more connected and i think that's sort of the same way on twitch right like it's so much easier to get someone to subscribe on twitch and pay you like an amount of money mm -hmm. just because they enjoy what you're doing and they feel so connected to you which i think is great yeah and they do a lot to integrate benefits into twitch that you get in terms of like emotes and uh yeah you know um no ads and things of that nature so yeah. Um, it's really cool how it's, I mean, cause like YouTube, a lot of people have Patreon, but it's not really integrated in that way where you get the yeah. benefits literally on YouTube. But then, you know, like I, I tried Patreon on YouTube for a little bit and it just wasn't very effective compared to what I felt it should be with like my audience size. And I just feel like that's one of the weaknesses of the platform. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, YouTube is rolling out a, uh, what is it? I forget what the feature is called, but it's essentially Twitch subscriptions. Mm, okay, um, but it's. I think you have to have a hundred thousand subs to be eligible. Mm. Yeah, Which yeah. Basically, does never. It's not going to trickle way down to the Cuban community. Cubers, this does not matter to them at all. Yeah, I the the like subs subscription system on YouTube is so meaningless and kind of like it's so weird now because like you subscribe to a channel and that doesn't mean anything. Like it doesn't mean you're going to see their videos. Right. And they just, like, force you to subscribe to a bunch of things when you create your account and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, subscriptions now are so meaningless. Like, the only thing that really matters is actual, the views that are coming in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, in turn, yeah, so it's, like, it's such a weird system that YouTube still bases all this stuff on subscriptions. Yeah, so, and they're, they're starting to roll out that new, subs or, I forget what it's called. Um, I heard about this at VidCon, because like, it's a very new thing that YouTube's mm -hmm. doing. Uh, but they're basically copying Twitch subscriptions. Right. Uh, I just wish I remember what they were called. Um, but I feel like that doesn't work nearly as well, though, on YouTube. I still feel like it's not going to be effective, because the great thing about Twitch is you, have, you can like, actually connect with the person you're watching. And it's not like, it's not like the fake connection that you feel on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, obviously, it's not like a friendship. Mm -hmm. But... It, you have a much more direct connection to a streamer than you do to a, a YouTuber that yeah, you're watching. Absolutely. Um, so I, I feel like it's that's why that system's so effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do think that YouTube is going to start allowing the custom emotes and comment sections. Okay. So that's they're cool. going to be pretty similar to how Twitch, when you subscribe, you get all their emotes to use. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you get to use them site wide or j just in that YouTube comment section though be curious to see how <laughs> if I, if um you get to like use those emotes you get from being new subscribed on youtube um <laughs> super subscribe yeah super subscribe god i wish i remember what that was called yeah so it, it'll be interesting to see if that uh takes off and kind of fixes kind of the ad revenue problem that youtube is facing right now yeah um, i mean i hope it does but i i'm honestly not i don't 
I'm not hopeful. Or, yeah. well, I'm, I'm hopeful, but I'm not optimistic about it. One thing that surprised me, though, is that they limited it to 100,000 subscriber people, though. Because I know, like, one of the big things about rolling back their um, partnership program with YouTube was just basically they couldn't keep track of all the different content that they were advertising for, and advertisers didn't want to have, you know, their ads go to content that could be about controversial, uh, risque, or whatever topics they didn't want to be associated with. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Like the mm -hmm. the there wasn't really much of an issue there. It kind of got way overblown by the media. I think that there have been a lot of good discussions on Hello Internet about it, mm. uh, which is a podcast with two YouTubers. Yep, I'm I'm familiar. Yeah, so I feel like if anyone wants to hear more of that, the nitty gritty on that, they should go listen to some of those episodes. Mm. Um, they they have a really good perspective on it that I've learned a lot of what I know about it from. I don't know if this is what you were building to, but it sounds to me like you're saying that like these features are more useful for smaller channels yes yeah that that's what confused me so much about why they were limiting it to basically silver button and up people like why this is the thing is like small channels you see very frequently that um in like especially in the cubing community there's a lot of people who respond to nearly every comment in their comment section because it is small enough and they can you know keep up with their community in that way why don't mm -hmm. these channels get access to this? Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's just like a matter of scale at first. Like they'll roll that out later. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I don't understand why it needs to be. I, maybe it is just to work out the kinks and the bugs. And that's totally respectable. But yeah, hopefully that does roll out to YouTube and can make its way down to the lower rungs of YouTube. And specifically mm -hmm. to a lot of cubing channels out there. But for now, I will say that if you are a YouTube creator listening to this right now and are underwhelmed with the views you have or the, you know, the, your prospects for money, uh, I would definitely, definitely consider trying to uh, adapt your content to Twitch. Um, I, we, it, the categorization system is great. I, at, when I'm done streaming, I always look in the Rubik's Cube category to see if anybody's streaming, whether they're big or small, and I just I send all my viewers there. Mm -hmm. um, so it's oh, just, yeah, that's another really cool feature of Twitch. Yes, visibility. Yeah, I mean, you can live stream on YouTube, but visibility of live streams on YouTube is awful. Um, it's so easy for people to find your stream on Twitch compared to YouTube. Like, people who are subscribed to you even on YouTube may not even find your stream. Like, yep. <laughs> it's disgustingly bad streaming on YouTube compared to Twitch. So uh, if you're, if you're uh, you know, unsure about Twitch and haven't really given it a chance, I would definitely, definitely go check out, um, like, Kevin. Uh, Chris Olson's been streaming on Twitch. Who else? Um, oh, uh, Enoch Gray has been streaming quite a bit, too, and his streams are really good. Um it's the gray cuber uh cranky old cuber has been doing some streams occasionally too and they've been fun so yeah you if you haven't checked out uh twitch for cubing yet i would definitely do that and try to show some love to the people who are you know pushing the wild west frontier that is twitch there's this other streamer uh kit clement who is pretty good yeah uh, i guess <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm much more I can't say I'm really personally invested in streaming for, you know, money or anything like that. I'm really, the only reason I'm really streaming, I feel right now, is because I want others to stream. Like, I think my long-term goal is to eventually not be streaming. Mm -hmm. I just want, <laughs> I want there to be streaming on Twitch. Nice. So it's kind of like, I'm doing it now because I want to show people 
look, you can make money from this. It's super easy. Even I can do it. Um, <laughs> like, and it's way cooler content on Twitch than on YouTube. Like, it's just so much more fun, so much more interaction. Like, I just really want to showcase what you can do on Twitch so that other people can blatantly copy me and do the same thing. <laughs> I'm A-okay with that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, you know, we were talking about we might want to stream this podcast at some point or recordings. Um, that might be a fun thing to do at some point, too, to do, like, a Twitch live stream of our podcast. Yeah, we might want to look into that more. Yeah. And, if you, yeah, if listeners, if that's something you want to see, let us know. Cause, um... Also, if you're still listening this late in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. For the, for, the, for the special few who have made it this far, <laughs> uh, let us know if this is something you'd be interested in uh, us doing. Because uh, I would definitely be interested in doing it if we got a good turnout for it. Well, you know what else these special few listeners get? Mm-hmm. They get to hear the regulation of the day. Yes! <laughs> All right. So I'm actually really excited about this regulation of the day because um, it's really quirky. It fits with where I am currently. Um, okay, hold, hold. I see what you've written here, and I just looked up what this is, <laughs> I think. But what is what is what are all these pluses for? <laughs> oh, okay. I was just looking at A1A2. Right. But no, this, this is, is A1A2 plus, 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 plus. Yes. A1A2 <laughs> with five pluses. Um, so this, I guess I'm cheating a little bit. This isn't the regulation of the day. It is the guideline of the day. It's a clarification to a regulation. <laughs> yes. So it's A1A2 it plus, 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 plus. Yes. It is the only regulation with, or guideline with five pluses. The reason there are five pluses is because um, every guideline has a plus at the end of it to say it is a guideline for this specific regulation um and this specific regulation has five guidelines makes you wonder if maybe we should rewrite the regulation yeah i really like uh a1a2 plus and a1a2 plus 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 because they aren't just clarifications like this one is they are additions so not only do you have plus signs you also have the word addition <laughs> which amuses me <laughs> Yeah, it's like a literal edition and yeah. a figurative one. Um, <laughs> A1A2 plus 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 edition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Super edition. Four in case times you missed the, the In case you missed the pluses. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so let me read you A1A2 plus 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 plus. Uh, the guideline with the most pluses in the guidelines. It is a clarification uh, to A1A2, the regulation which defines basically cumulative time limits. So allowing you to, for example, in like three blind, get 20 minutes time to do all three of your solves. Um, and this clarification says that events where a time limit per attempt is defined by the regulations, which is done for three by three fewest moves and three by three multi-blind, must not have a cumulative time limit. Okay, so it's basically saying these are events that you can have like fewest moves is a one hour time limit. Mm -hmm. Multi-blind is 10 minutes per cube or one hour, whichever is lower or right. what? Yeah, whichever is lower. Mm -hmm. So it's just clarifying that you can't set your own time limits for those events. Right, which would be kind of weird. Like imagine for FMC, uh, if you did... 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, or like if you did a combined time limit for a mean of three of an hour and like they recorded yeah. the time it took you to submit that solution. <laughs> And you had an hour to do all three. 
that would be kind of fun. I mean, but... that actually sounds kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, yeah. having one hour and basically getting three sheets and having to turn all three in. Yeah, that or... would be fun to do unofficially. Or, like, yeah. you could stream it on Twitch. <laughs> so many fun streaming ideas. Um, So, <laughs> anyways, um, the reason that I said that this is fitting for where I am uh, is because I'm currently in Kyoto, which is uh, very close to Osaka, and... In this spring, there was a competition in Osaka that broke this guideline. What? Really? That's right. They, for, for multi-blind, multi -blind? had... Yes, okay. it was a best of three, but with a one-hour combined uh, time limit. Hmm. Or, sorry, not combined, cumulative time limit. I always mix those terms up. A one-hour cumulative time limit. Basically because they wanted to, you know, if you wanted to take, like, the whole hour and use a big attempt and do that... But say, like, if you want, if you're, you know, not a great multi-blind solver and you can do, say, like, two 30-minute attempts, they wanted to give people the chance to do more small attempts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't do that, though. Yeah. Um, and at Kansai hmm. Open 2018, multi-blind was held as a best of two. Um, okay. With a cum cumulative time limit in addition to the regular time limit. So... This ended up not being a huge deal. One competitor got two attempts out of it. So they just changed it to best of one and disregarded that competitor's attempt. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I said I thought this regulation of the day was kind of fitting. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's not even something I would have, like, thought of as... Like, it just doesn't seem intuitive to me that to set up a competition like that. But it is pretty clever if it were allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so people have asked me um, at, like, when I've held multi-blind as a best of one, it's like, can I just do two and they'll only take, like, this amount of time? And it's like, if I do that, I have to allow everyone to take two, which means yeah. they could take two hours. Um, and it's kind of weird if you allow that to happen, just because, like, you know, what if, say, you have a really good multi-blind solver, but they just bomb their attempt like just get a lot of dnfs then you're like giving like a, a competitive advantage to the people who get two attempts because they oh, have yeah. like two yeah. chances to maybe beat you know like a very low score because you know maybe mark boynowski did a multi-blind and got like 23 out of 42 for what is that four <laughs> or two points yeah two points uh, there's there's also the case where like Say you were a little bit more lenient with the time limit. Say you had a two-hour time limit for three sorry. solves That's or something. That's four points, not two points. I don't. Sorry, I had to correct. <laughs> I did not want to be mathematically incorrect on the podcast. I've already done that way too much in a competition before. So <laughs> uh, it could also be the situation where, like, say you had a two-hour time limit for three solves or something. Mm. So like the fast people would be only doing two solves, or not the fast people, the the many cubes people. Right. But what if like then they could use that as a situation where like halfway through their first solve they're like this memo's horrible i have no chance at this yes. and just stop the solve at like 30 minutes in and get a whole another attempt out of it basically right yeah maybe or maybe something they do that yeah it's 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 definitely weird like i definitely <laughs> there's good reason why we don't allow it for sure mhm mm so yeah i'll admit when i when i first saw this in the show notes i was like did kit just not like come up with a with a uh, regulation for today because it's regulation A1, A2, which just sounds like a made-up, like, the first thing you would think of. Yeah. And then five pluses. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> nope, that is actually the regulation I wanted to talk about today. Because uh, I, I thought that was the most fitting. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Thanks for coming by and listening to Layer by Layer, a cubing podcast. 
by myself, Kit Clement, and Andrew Nathanson. And me. <laughs> Sorry, I can say your name too. You don't have to say your own name. I wa- I'm like a Pokemon. I want to say my own name. <laughs> Andrew Nathanson. <laughs> Andrew used... Uh... Andrew, <laughs> surf. <sighs> Flamethrower. Uh, it's gonna be the same sound effect. <laughs> that could be that'd be so dope if a Pokemon could use surf and flamethrower. I mean, I don't know. There's gotta be one. Mew probably can. I don't, there's no there's no Ditto. water fire type though yet. Ditto. True. Um, not at the same time, but uh. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're trying to end the podcast. Yeah, we're trying. Really got we're, sidetracked. <laughs> we're trying real hard, but Andronit is now a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll follow up about it next time, uh, because I'm our follow-up definitely name. won't be an hour. Andrew. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Andrew. Do, do you want? Do you want to? Do you want to say bye to everybody? Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Andrew is a Pokemon. Please, please send help. Bye. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>